um, you know, it's kind of cool because it just shows that your coaches haven't given up on you. And it shows that um, we're, we're a family. And, and, you know, we harp on being a family. And I think they're showing that this week. And they've done a really good job of showing it this week. So. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Pod of Aggieland. This is your host, yours truly, Chase Lane, number two in the field, number one in y'all's hearts. Got a good lineup of things I want to touch base on and talk about. Uh, we got, you know, we got a big game coming up this weekend, up and early at 11 a.m. this Saturday against the Florida Gators. As always, let's start it off with the quote of the day. So the quote of the day is, life is not a problem to be solved but a reality to be experienced. So I'm saying it again. Life is not a problem to be solved, but a reality to be experienced. And I don't know what made me pick this quote. I always go through a lot of quotes that I I think that'll resonate with the message that I'm trying to get um, across for the specific episode and whatever I'm doing. But, you know, if you are paying attention to, you know, just hip hop culture the other day, uh, take off from the Migos. He just was uh, murdered down in, in Houston, Texas, man. So rest in peace to take off. Um, man, it, and it's just so sad, man. And I feel like that's why I decided to go with this quote because, you know, you, you just never know, like, when is your time? And I feel like if you go with that approach, I think that will lead you to live vicariously. And it will just lead you to just want to live a life that allows you to um, experience things and, and try new things out and, you know, look at, look at life and, and to look at situations with the, with the glass half full kind of mentality. And, um, it's just sad because takeoff, like if you're, if you're familiar with the rap group, rap group, the Migos, like takeoff was the most chill, low key, like out the way, unproblematic one out of the whole entire group. But like, it, it was just over some dumb stuff, man. So, I just, I just really urge people, you know, to just look for the finer things in life. And when I say finer things, it doesn't have to be money or, you know, cars, materialistic things, but, you know, just appreciating those moments and, you know, just living in the moment, kind of what I was saying in Monday's episode and, you know, just being present in where you are because it is a present and, you know, just light and it's just crazy, man. So I'll say the quote again, life is not a problem to be solved, but a reality to be experienced. So hopefully that can resonate with you guys and in some kind of way. And, uh, you know, as always, you know, I'm always going to talk from the heart. So moving forward, I do not have a guest for the show this episode. So once again, y'all are stuck with me. So I'm going to, you know, just dibbling and dabbling into a lot of different subjects. But um, reactions to the college football rankings. The first college football playoff rankings came out. The other day, so I'm gonna go through. I'll give you all the top ten, and I'll and I'll give you guys an analysis on what I think is uh what's real, what's fake, and yeah. So I'm gonna name off the top ten. So uh, number one, we got Tennessee. Number two, Ohio State. Number three, Georgia. Number four, Clemson. Number five, Michigan. Number six, Bama. Number seven, TCU. Number eight, Oregon number nine, USC, and number 10, LSU. So what I want to do is 
because, you know, this is a football podcast. And, you know, being a football player, I feel like I can give a special or, you know, just different analysis and, uh, you know, just feedback on what I think about it just because I, I look at the sport from a different lens from a fan. So Tennessee coming in at number one, um, I think that's rightfully earned. They like I, I kind of hinted to it last week. I feel like they're playing with a bunch of swagger right now, and you can see it just from the offense to the defense. You know, Henderson Hooker, he's got people going crazy in Knoxville, Tennessee right now, probably going to win the Heisman. Uh, and, yeah, you know, a lot of the good things are happening for that program right now. They have a humongous game coming up this Saturday against Georgia in Athens. So um, looking forward to watching that one because we actually play at 11 a.m. this Saturday. So hopefully I can get back in time, you know, just to get situated and watch that game. But man, that game is gonna is gonna tell a lot. I don't know if they got college game day. I'm assuming that they do. But um, yeah, man, that's gonna be a crazy, crazy atmosphere. But Tennessee being number one, I can agree with that, and I think it's rightfully earned. Moving forward, Ohio State. Um, you know, good team. It's always kind of hard to tell with them because, in my opinion, I don't think the Big Ten is as strong as it used to be. And Ohio State doesn't necessarily get challenged until they make it to the end of the year and they play Michigan, and, you know, they, and they make it into their bowl game. And, uh, you know, like sometimes like they're going to have success and sometimes they're not going to have success. But you have to, like, respect that program just for what it is and, and what they're about. So Ohio State at number two, I can I can I can see that uh, Georgia at three. Uh, I. I could argue that Georgia could be the number two team in the country. I feel like people are still holding that Missouri win against them because they got they almost got ups, upset up in up in Missouri. But you know they're they're such a powerhouse dude, and you know they're defending national champions, and you know they're going to be coming back with vengeance, and you know they're looking at Tennessee on their schedule, and I would not be surprised if Georgia like blew Tennessee out. I, it wouldn't surprise me, even though I do think at this moment in time, I do believe Tennessee should be number one. I would not be surprised if Georgia came out and blew them out, blew, blew them out of the stadium just because, you know, they feel like a lot of people are playing with their name, you know, reigning national champions. Uh, so I feel like that, that's a more of a respect game for them. So I'm really looking forward to that one. Uh, number four, Clemson. I'm not sold on them. I'm really not. Uh, kind of the same with the Big Ten. I don't feel like the ACC is as strong as it used to be as it was back in, like, the early 2010s and early 2000s and things like that. So um, I don't really – I don't know their schedule. I don't know who they have next. But Clemson, I feel like Clemson's number four is strictly just off of their, their name and their brand. And, you know, because you have to remember politics do play a humongous role in pollings and, and things of that nature because every year Notre Dame starts off in the top ten. So – and they're not even in a conference. So um, I think that's a political move with Clemson being that high. Uh, Michigan at five, I would actually move Michigan to number four and, and put Clemson at five if if I had to rearrange anything with the top five. So Michigan at five, you know, kind of similar to Ohio State, but I do feel like they're playing with a bunch of swagger, and um, I think that swag mostly came off of just, you know, they finally beat Ohio State last year in the big house. So um, they just took care of their in-state rival in Michigan State. Um, you know, Big Ten schedules, they don't really, they're not really appealing until those last couple of weeks to me. So Michigan at five, I guess you can put them there. Uh, six, Bama. Uh, it's it's kind of hard with Bama because they have talent, but I just feel like they haven't played their best football yet. 
And Bryce Young has been Bryce Young. Jameer Gibbs has been Jameer Gibbs. Like those two are box office. They're, they're playing great football. But I think as a collective like team, I don't think they they, they played their best ball yet. Uh, now I wouldn't be surprised if Bama won the rest of the schedule, won out and ended up in the playoff just because, you know, once again, it's political. So I think Bama will win the SEC West. Um, I do think whoever they play in the SEC championship, I do think they'll beat them. If it's, it's, it's either going to be Tennessee or Georgia. Um, so whoever they play in the SEC title game, I do feel like they'll beat them because Bama does not get beat twice. Um, especially like in those, in those SEC championship games and those playoff games and things like that. I mean, they, they lost to Clemson and, and they lost to Georgia last year, but, um, yeah, you know, it's hard, it's hard to bet against Bama unless they're playing us. So, uh, Bama at six makes sense, but would not be surprised if you see them in the top four come the end of the year. Um, seven, TCU. Man, I love what TCU is doing right now. They're playing with so much swag, and with Coach Dykes being in, in year one, they're seeing instant success, and I just really hope that they can sustain that. But I have them winning the Big 12, like, without a without a doubt. I, I, I do have them winning the Big 12. Um. I would love to see TCU in the top five and maybe being talked about being a top four team, but that really just, it's really up to them. It's up to how they finish the season and how they continue to win games because um, I I think TCU is being slighted because if OU and if OU or Texas had TCU's record right now, OU or Texas would be a top four team. And I think that's just goes to show just with politics and the, in the, in the brand and what the playoff committee thinks people want to see. So like people seeing TCU in the top four, isn't as appealing as seeing like a Clemson or a Michigan or a Ohio state. You feel me? So uh, I do feel like TCU deserves more respect. And I do think that seven ranking is kind of too low for them, but it's kind of similar last year. And I'm, I'm really surprised that Cincinnati even made it into the playoff last year, but you just had to respect them because they won out. So um, if TCU has any chance of winning the playoff, they can't be a one-loss team. They have to win out, and they have to win out in, in good fashion. Um, so moving forward, Oregon at eight. I don't know, man. Like, Bo Nix has really picked it up picked it up for them, and I feel like they've started to hit their stride. But it's just – it's really hard with Pac-12 teams to, like, see how they fan out against other, like, Power 5 conferences sometimes because – they have the talent, but it's just like sometimes when they get to those games, like they just like fold and like they they don't show us what we've seen from them throughout the year. So Oregon at eight, I, I think that's a political move. Um, I don't think that they should be ranked that high, even though they are a one loss team. And even though that one loss did come to Georgia at the beginning of the year, because they didn't just lose to Georgia. They got like ran out of the building. So. There's a loss and then there's a blowout and that's two very distinct things. So Oregon that high, not a fan of it, but it makes sense just because it's Oregon. Um, moving on, number nine, you got USC. Um, I'm still trying to figure out if they're for real or not, man. Like they have the pieces offensively. They, they have the pieces like without a doubt, Kayla Williams, Jordan Addison, Mario Williams. They, they have the pieces they need. They got the play callers. They got the coach. Um, they have our old old line coach, uh, Coach Josh Henson. They got Lincoln Riley, offensive mastermind. So 
that one loss is ex- like holding them back extremely. And I, and I think that's what, that's what is holding back people from respecting them. But um, I think people have just bought into the hype with USC and that's why they are in the top 10 because yeah, I don't know if I'd have them in the top 10. I, I would have them like top 12, but top 10 is kind of a stretch for me because of that one loss that they, that they had. Uh, and at number 10, LSU, um, after week one, I thought Brian Kelly was about to get ran out of Baton Rouge. Like the way they lost against Florida state in new Orleans, I was like, Oh yeah. Like that's going to probably be the worst hire for them. But you know, Brian Kelly, he's a good coach. He's a proven winner, even though he doesn't have rings necessarily to speak for. He's a proven winner. Um, he's been known to turn around programs. He's been consistently, he's been consistent at his previous schools and he's um, really made programs. He's really made programs what they are today. So uh, LSU still being top 10, I don't know, man. It really, and and this is a perfect opportunity for LSU because they play Bama this weekend in Baton Rouge. So this game is going to be extremely telling. I feel like if Bama has a shot, they need to play their best game this weekend just to get their respect back because Bama hasn't been out of the top five in God knows how long for this long a period of time. And that's saying a lot for Bama because it's only been about like two weeks. So this game is very telling, and this game will tell a lot about both programs, Bama and LSU, because, you know, it's, you know that, that game's always good. It's, it's in November. November is when things really start to pick up and things start to matter. And when Bama and LSU are doing good, that game's that game is that much better. So um, if LSU wins that game, I see them being top five, honestly. But if Bama wins that game, if Bama wins that game in good fashion, they'll be a top four team. If LSU wins that game, like just period, they'll be top six. Yeah, they'll be top six. But I'm I'm looking at it, and I know I just gave you all the top ten and, and what I thought about each team. But Ole Miss is being disrespected, and I see that they came in at number eleven. And I know that we just played them, and we almost beat them. And 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 I know that our record isn't the best right now. But LSU, I mean not LSU, Ole Miss is still a really good football team. And I I think I would move Ole Miss definitely to number eight over Oregon. Ole Miss would be my number eight team, number eight team, most definitely over Oregon because of their wins and because of just the conference in the division they're in. So Ole Miss coming in at 11 is kind of surprising to me just because of their record and who they are. But I don't see Ole Miss making the playoff. I see them making a New Year's Six Bowl if they win. It's kind of hard to say win out because I think Bama's going to win out. But if Ole Miss can – Finish the season ten and two. I can see them making like a Cotton Bowl, or like a Fiesta Bowl, or, or something like that. Whatever are the New Year's Six Bowl games this year? So, Ole Miss at eleven, I think it's too low for them. Like LSU six and two, and they're ranked over Ole Miss, so that doesn't make any sense to me. But uh, yeah, so that's the top ten, and then I gave y'all my analysis on those teams, and then my bubble team with Ole Miss. So, um, if you guys agree, that's cool, and if you don't agree, I don't really give a damn. But uh yeah, so moving forward, we are playing the Florida Gators 
from Gainesville, Florida, a SEC East foe. Last time we saw them was back in 2020, and we upset them last. Uh, we upset them in our home field, 41 to 38. And when people ask me about that game, I, and I always say that that's the game that kind of jump started our season and and really put us in the right direction to go on and win the Orange Bowl that year. But uh, yeah, so. Uh, the guys, we've been we've been having a pretty good week of practice, um, it's, and it's so hard because a lot of us, even the older guys, we, we've never really been in a situation where we were considered a losing team. Like we're three and five, so it's kind of hard to continue to find that that motivation and that in that drive when things aren't going your way. So I think Coach Fisher and his staff have really done a a good job and an eye-opening job on my end of, you know, just being positive and um, being motivators and, um, you know, just acknowledging the fact that we aren't where we want to be, but still being positive and being encouraging. And and it's really cool because like sometimes, you know, what you get, you get, they're going to coach you hard and, they're going to be on your ass. They're going to be cursing at you, this and the third. But really seeing this side of the coaching staff has really opened up my eyes and, and have really seen that they do have our backs, even though things haven't been going that well. We haven't been executing at all times uh, as an offense and a defense and a special teams. But, um, you know, it's kind of cool because it just shows that your coaches haven't given up on you. And it shows that um, we're, we're a family. And, and, you know, we harp on being a family and, um, we always talk about being there for for each other, and I really think they're showing that this week, and they've done a really good job of showing it this week. So, um, everybody, I feel like we just we deserve a win, man. We went we went Owen, we went Ofer in the month of October, and that's just it's it feels like poop, man. And I think guys are really just wanting to just go out there and just play and just. Because now, for sure, we don't have nothing to lose. At this point, we're just trying to make a bowl game. Let, let's keep it a buck. Like, we're just trying to make a bowl game at this point. So, whatever that bowl game is, and, and it just – I think I think the one positive thing that has come out of us being three and five is that I don't think going forward anybody in this program will take winning for granted and will take the process of winning for granted if that makes any sense, because none of us have ever been in a position like this before. Like we've all, we all won in high school. Hell, even if we didn't, or even if we didn't like win hella games at A&M, we've still had winning records and, you know, I've still been considered like at the top of the SEC West and competing for the SEC West. So um, I, I hope that this season has and will continue to serve toward towards the end of the year as just a learning lesson that uh a humongous learning lesson and a humongous eye-opener just about how important you had to take the process of winning and how you have to approach every day and just how you have to be the same guy you are on the field and the same guy off the field and just accountability and dependability and availability. And um, those are the three abilities that every football player has to have. You only get 12 opportunities guaranteed a year. So you think you train – January, you train February, you start spring ball, you get a couple weeks off, 
you come back in the summer, summer workouts, fall camp. It's a, it's a 360 lifestyle. And you do all of that to only get 12 opportunities guaranteed in the fall. And I think that when our coaches used to say that to us, we would be like, man, like we're going to a ball game. Like we're going to win. We're, like, we're going to take care of our business. Now we're in a position to where we are like in desperation time. Like we have to put some wins together. If we even want to make a bowl game, not a new year, six bowl game, not the playoff, a stinking bowl game. So as much as I appreciate them and appreciate this team still continuing to come to work every day, I really do. And, you know, the coaches being there for us and things like that and the true fans and true loyalty members of this program being there for us, we still have to look in the mirror and be honest with ourselves. As I digress, um, as I said earlier, we do have Florida coming in this week and they are a, Really, I don't want to say basic, but they are a simple defense to read. They don't really disguise a lot of different things. They like to play uh, a version of two invert. Um, cover two is one of their main coverages. On third down, they like to go into cover one, play more man. Um, their main, main, main coverage that we're going to see a lot of is cover three. Um, their best player, I believe, on defense, he was just suspended. I don't know why. But uh, he's an upfront guy, D lineman, number zero. He was just uh, suspended from the team. So they'll obviously be missing a major component of their defense. But other than that, their linebackers are pretty talented. Their athletic group of guys, they don't drop a lot. They like to they like to uh, play the run fit. So they're not going to be getting uh, back. So that that means it'll be easier for uh, Connor to, you know, read the defenses and, uh, you know, just reading the routes because they won't be in his, in his line of vision. So um really looking forward to an opportunity to go out there and compete um, offensively. As we all know, they have a very, very, very mobile quarterback. And at times this season, we have struggled to defend the run. So the defense has made an emphasis of um, going with a scout team quarterback that is mobile enough to give them different looks and to scramble and make plays with his legs because I feel like if we contain him, then we contain a, a, a big piece of their offense. So uh, obviously our, our defense knows that, so I know they'll be ready for that. And I think the, the keys to victory defensively is to make him pass because he can throw the ball, but he he's much more comfortable making plays with his legs. So uh, the keys to victory defensively is to – Make him pass, get pressure on him, uh, spying him a lot. Hopefully, I hope I hope they're having a QB spy on him just in case he does get out of the pocket. But, you know, just keeping outside contained. Um, keys to win offensively, I believe, is to, you know, run full speed routes, um, allow the quarterback to, you know, make quick reads, get the ball into the playmaker's hands quickly. And like I said last week, um, how we did go with a, a faster tempo, like get ready to see a fast tempo on Saturday because we've been working on that all week. And uh, I think that the guys are really liking it. And I know I'm liking it for sure because it's just allowing us to get lined up quicker, get the ball snapped faster, not allowing them to get set up, not allowing them to get subs in and, you know, just really draining them. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing this 
this new pace on offense. And I think the fans will be really, really excited to see it as well. So uh, moving forward, since I did not have a guest on the show, I will be answering some listener questions after this break. First question, what are Chase's plans post-football? So I do have aspirations of playing in the National Football League. I feel like if you have made it to this level collegiately, it wouldn't make any sense for you to not have dreams of going to play pro. But um, that is one of my dreams. But after that, um, I do have aspirations of also being a broadcaster. I've stated that many times on the show. Uh, my dream is to be on ESPN or Fox Sports or um, TNT Sports, whatever the case may be. I, I do want to get into broadcasting because that's always been a, a dream of mine. And I'm, I'm and I'm starting to feel like it's my calling in some kind of way because I feel like I'm getting more comfortable with just doing this uh, each week. But um, that is that is one of my one of my dreams and one of my goals is to become a broadcaster. But um, but also I do want to become an athletic director at a major power five institution. And, you know, just being at a school like a and I've been able to uh, grow and form a relationship with our athletic director, Ross Bjork. And, you know, just seeing how he is every week. And I actually need to bring him on the show for an episode. So that just gave me an idea. But, um, yeah. Being an AD is that would be a such a fun just job to have. You know, your your job is to just build connections with donors and and with fundraisers and and um you know go to different sporting events and supporting uh all your different sports in your athletic department. So I do feel like I would thrive in a position like that. And uh, yeah, so those are those are two of my dreams that I am really working towards and. Um, I, and I do like the, the track that I'm on in, in regards to that. So good question. Number two, who's the best player you played against in high school? Huh? Best player I played against in high school wasn't on defense, but the best player that I've ever had to play against would be Jalen Waddle. Freaking dog. Like if you're from Houston, you knew who Jalen Waddle was before the world did, but this dude in high school was like a human highlight reel. Like literally like you're not even paying attention to what your coaches are saying when you're on the bench, when he's on offense, he's that he's that box office. As I've been saying lately, he is box office for sure. And he has excelled at every level from Episcopal high school in Houston to Alabama and now with the Dolphins, he's he's thrived at every level. So that's the best player I've ever seen in person play in high school. That's the best player I've ever played against in high school. Point blank, period. Jalen Waddle. So shout out to J-Dub. And the last question that I'll answer, who's the funniest guy on the team? Funniest guy on the team? Oh, I feel like I know this. Let me think. When he's on the team, it's Jalen Preston. JP is, and I actually want to bring JP on the show. JP is a goofball. Like, I think the thing with JP is he'll, he, he'll tell, he'll, like, he can tell when you're not having your best day. And he can tell just if anything's bothering you, but 
he will still approach you number one and he will still find a way to get a laugh out of you. Even when you don't feel like laughing, like you'll be like, like, like get out of here, like get on my face, but he'll still try to make you laugh. So, and he always makes me laugh. Like just with just how he is and just, just the things that he says, like he's just a goofball. So probably Jalen Preston, he, he's a goofball. And I don't think a lot of people know that. So, uh, yeah, shout out to JP for always making us laugh, especially in the receiver room because he plays receiver. So you can just imagine how uh, goofy our meetings get. But, yeah, that's probably the funniest guy on the team. So, uh, you know, I only answered three questions tonight. Hopefully you guys can be more engaging next time and give me some more questions because I would love to feature y'all's questions on the show. But, uh, yeah, um, Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Pot of Aggie Land. You know, just getting to hear different takes and, and different perspectives of mine and, and, my, and my different point of views. But yeah, this has been another great episode of the pod, and I am out. Peace. Yeah,